guys. Welcome to So I Married a Pastor. Today was a super fun and relaxing Friday for me. I took the day off work. I went and got my hair done. And it is amazing to me how a few hours of investing in yourself can completely change your perspective. And for me, I just feel like a whole new person. Um, my friend Kelsey, who does my hair, is just an amazing human. She is beautiful. She is so smart. And she has come up with a very inventive way of being able to continue to do hair in this new era of COVID and shutdowns and that kind of thing. And I'm just so freaking proud of her. Um, so that was super cool and uplifting and encouraging. And then um, we started at the beginning of the year, I think it was, um, celebrating our my, my sister-in-law's birthdays. Um, and it started off with us going out to eat and just like being together as sisters, not like with our kids there, not with our husbands there, not because we had to be there, but because we chose to invest in one another and really get to know each other on a personal level, not just because we're related, you know? And I found that to be very helpful for a lot of reasons. Um, Number one, I love getting to know people and I love getting to know my sister-in-laws beyond beyond the in-law obligation. Like I want to know them as people. I want to know what their hopes and dreams are. And so that was cool. So tonight we celebrated um, Glenda, my, my sister-in-law Glenda's birthday. We had to, we did take out dinner and we zoomed or not zoomed, but, or maybe we did zoom. I don't know with my, my other sister-in-law who lives in Washington And it was just cool. We got to talk, we talk about kids, we talk about relationships, we talk about all kinds of stuff and it's just really good to catch up. And so I feel like today, even though I didn't accomplish a lot, it was just a really good day of investing in myself, investing in others and just like, uh, just kind of taking a breath and a moment. And I, on the drive to where I get my hair done, it's about an hour and 15 minutes away. Um, I don't know about you guys, but when I'm in the car, maybe it's because I'm trapped, but that is when I feel like God just speaks to me. And I was listening to a podcast, but I, I want, it wound up getting done early and I couldn't download anymore because I had no cell service. So I just started recording on this and I, again, I don't know what happened to it, but I started just recording my thoughts on relationships and how, you know, I have this desire, an innate desire to be authentic and real and vulnerable, but I started thinking about how sometimes I have been too vulnerable, too authentic, and I have shared too much, and it hasn't been necessarily because I wanted to be transparent. It was because I wanted to not get close to people. And I figured if I put out all my stuff first thing, that would immediately protect me from rejection because ultimately they would reject me early on. I wouldn't invest anything in the relationship and that would be that. And so I tend to be a very, a chronic transparent person. (laughs) And I say chronic because while there are There are definitely good things about being vulnerable and being authentic and being transparent. There is also a danger to it. And there's this this balance that you have to find. 
in that where if you're going to be authentic and you're going to be vulnerable, you have to make sure that your motivation is pure and that you're not you're not oversharing or that I'm not oversharing who I am or my struggles or the challenges that I faced in an effort to keep people at arm's distance. I have a major issue with relationships. Um, if you know me at all, I'm pretty honest about that. Again, the chronic overshare. Um, I struggle with relationships and I am a huge proponent of not justifying the struggle, but finding solutions on how to move forward. I know that the root of a lot of my relationship issues have to do with the fact that as I grew up, I lived on a four-year, one-year cycle, and I'm going to explain that. As a child, my parents were missionaries, and that exposed me to so many beautiful cultures and so many beautiful people. But one thing that was consistent is I knew that after four years, I would say goodbye to these people and these relationships. Then we would come back to the United States for a year. I would form new friendships, new relationships, and then we would say goodbye to those and go back to the mission field for another four years. This was in an era before FaceTime, before the internet, and international calls were way too expensive. And so there was really no way to stay connected. It was not a global society like we know now. And as a result, I learned, I believe at a very young age that goodbyes are painful and it's easier to not become invested in people because it's just going to hurt when you say goodbye. Coupled with that, I have some abandonment issues and I am adopted, but I want to be very clear that my parents taught me from a very young age. Like I never had an epiphany that I was adopted. They always told me that and they did an excellent job of framing it in a way that made me feel loved and wanted and cherished and helped me to view my birth mother as someone who was selfless and compassionate, who gave me up, not because she didn't want me, but because she wanted me to have a life that she could not provide. And I think they did a really, really good job about that. Where I got that all confused was later on in life when I pursued on my own why I was given up for adoption. And I began to spin a story that was partially based in truth, but I really adopted a spirit of abandonment. And I began to change how I interacted in relationships to prevent the pain of rejection and abandonment. And I think a lot of ways that I did that was to, in the vein of being real, being so real that it kind of put people immediately off, you know, like, oh, wow, I wasn't ready for her to share that, you know? Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with being real. I don't think there's anything wrong with being raw. I don't think there's anything wrong with being authentic. But I think like just with everything that you do in life, you have to really know that your motivations in your heart are pure. I have lost out on a lot of good relationships and a lot of meaningful relationships because of the, the fear of saying goodbye 
the fear of that relationship ending, the fear of them rejecting me or abandoning me. And so I'm in the middle of kind of doing that hard work of deconstructing the root of how I developed these unhealthy relationship patterns and behavior. I even have done this with my husband um, where I feel like if I am too affectionate or too close to him and he rejects that or he doesn't respond, then that's going to hurt me. And so I just don't do those things. Like I'm very, you know, I, I love him and I love holding his hand and I love those things. But sometimes when I'm in an unhealthy space, I don't do those things. I don't tell him that I love him. And it's not because I don't, it's because I don't want to, I don't want to experience being rejected. And the truth is he will not reject me. My husband loves me. He has proven that time and time again, but because of my past and because of my unhealthy patterns, I am punishing him for the mistakes of others and even my own fears. And that's not cool. So I'm in this growing period in this growing space, but I just want to talk because on social media these days, there's just such a, almost an idolatry of being real and being authentic. And in the process of doing that, I have watched numerous people fall, not because of their vulnerability, but because the motivation behind that was not pure. It was either to keep people at arm's length or it was to be able to adopt victimhood or, you know, there's so many unhealthy directions that you can go when things are not rooted in God. And I believe personally that that there are so many gifts and so many unique talents inside of every single person. But when those gifts, talents, personality traits are not rooted in truth, rooted in God's word and rooted in who God created you to be then I believe they can become very unhealthy and toxic. You have to keep them rooted in truth, in the truth of who God created you to be and in the truth of God's word. And so, you know, being vulnerable, yes, God desires us to be vulnerable with him. Be vulnerable with Jesus, first of all. And then if he leads you to share your testimony, if he's doing a work in you that he wants you to be made, that wants he wants to be made public, then by all means do that, but do it through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Don't do it out of a desire for people to see you or to know you. Don't do it out of a desire to keep people away from you. Really allow the Lord to search your heart and your motives before you begin to post things or or tell people things that maybe are would be better left in a quiet space between you and the Lord. Um. I have made so many mistakes in relationships. And again, I can go back and I can see why I made these mistakes. But going back and seeing why doesn't necessarily change anything unless I'm willing to do the hard work of asking the Lord to show me how I can keep, how I can learn from those situations and keep from making those those mistakes again. Because I don't know if you're like me, but there have been a lot of relationship mistakes that are not a one-time only thing, but they are, the, they are patterns of behavior that I've adopted that are not healthy. And so I am just in this space of, Lord, before I post something, before I engage in a relationship, before whatever, I want to make sure that my motivations are pure, search my heart, know me, 
I want your words to flow through me. And I want everything that I say and do, I want my relationships to bring glory and honor to you. As a pastor's wife, I have found it to be excruciatingly lonely at times. And there have been many seasons where I have cried out to the Lord and I'm like, God, it hurts so much to see these groups of friends going to dinner, going to each other's houses, and I have not been invited. And I have been able, I have allowed bitterness to take root in me about these situations. The truth of the matter is, I have also gone out of my way to make sure that they know that I wouldn't come if I was invited. And I know that seems so crazy, but that is an unhealthy pattern of behavior that I adopted early on because I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to be not liked. I don't want to be left out. And so if I automatically tell everyone, like, (laughs) I would rather be at home by myself anyway, I don't want to do anything with you then I'm not going to have to experience the pain of not being invited. I can justify to myself, well, the reason they didn't invite me is because I said I wouldn't go. And in a lot of times, I believe that I have robbed myself of meaningful relationships with people because of my fear of being rejected by them later. And the bottom line is this. I know that when you're in a ministry position, it sometimes it makes people feel awkward. Like, do they have the freedom to say the things they want to say in front of me? I am a pastor's wife who is not super holier than thou. In fact, I feel like I'm very much a rough work in progress. I still cuss. I still blurt things out that I shouldn't. And I still overshare things that I probably shouldn't always, you know, be quite so honest about. And, um, so I don't, I don't even know if that's true, but that's a, that's something that's a lie maybe that I've, I've, I've constructed to protect myself from having to be in a relationship and then being hurt. And the, the fact of the matter is the church is like a family or it's supposed to be in my family, my children, I have four children and when they were younger, they fought all the time. I mean, they didn't, but it felt like it was all the time. Like, mom, he did this. Mom, she did that. And I was just like, I felt like I was constantly playing a referee between my children. And I I knew that my kids loved each other, but they just did not get along. And part of that, I think, is because I had three girls very close together. And then I had our we had our son. And that meant that when the teenagers came, I mean, you had all these hormonal kids, like, you know, trying to figure out their place in life. And it just added a lot of tension. But I always knew that at the end of the day, my children love each other. They don't always agree with each other. Sometimes they just annoy the crap out of each other. But I also know that they love each other and they're going to be there for each other, even even when it's hard, even when they disagree. And that's really what the church should be like. The church should be a place where we can be in relationship even if we disagree, that even if we don't see eye to eye, we are, we know that we are, we are united in a cause. And that cause is the gospel of Jesus Christ. His blood binds us. He keeps us together. And so while we may disagree on certain things, it doesn't break our relationship. We still should be able to have relationship with each other. And yes, people will say hurtful things. Yes, we're going to make mistakes in relationship and let each other down. But that shouldn't be the definition of 
relationship. The definition of the relationship should be, yes, we had this issue. We had this struggle. We had this conflict, but we are still going to love each other intentionally and we are not going to cancel each other. I think in this era of cancel culture, it's very popular to, well, they don't agree with me. I don't agree with them. I'm going to unfollow. I'm going to block them and I'm not going to have any more relationship with them. Well, that's fine on social media, maybe for you, but in real life, it doesn't work that way. I know because I've done it. I have canceled people because of things they've said, because of things they've done. And I haven't even given them the opportunity to explain themselves because I didn't even tell them I canceled them. I just did it. And in doing so, again, I think I might have robbed myself of some amazing friendships that could have developed had I not been so defensive and so quick to protect myself and my rights. So I know I'm not the only pastor's wife that has been lonely. I know I'm not the only woman who has dealt with being lonely. In fact, one of my favorite authors and Bible study teachers, Lisa Turkhurst, has written a book about uninvited. There are a lot of people who have felt the sting of rejection, who have felt the pain of abandonment and It's just a universal relationship thing. You're going to get hurt. And so I've just been really thinking and evaluating about why am I being real and vulnerable? And is it going to help bring relationship or is it going to, am I using it as a defense mechanism to keep relationship away? Am I willing to open myself up because I desire friendship and I desire a relationship more than I fear being hurt, abandoned, and rejected. And the bottom line is, it's just a work in progress. It's much easier for me to surrender to the Lord when it's like, okay, God, we've had all of these natural disasters in our area. We've had fire after fire after fire. We've lost everything in a fire. We've been evacuated because of a fire. It's just this ongoing struggle. It's so much easier for me to say, God, if you want me to stay, I'll stay in this location than it is for me to say, God, if you want me to be friends with them and to put myself out there and risk being rejected, then I'll do it. It's easier for me to do what, what most people would I think would think would be the harder thing than it is to just say, hey, you want to have coffee? It's so funny to me how the one thing that I struggle with the most, which is relationship, is the one thing I need the most in my life if I'm going to continue to grow in the Lord. I can't I can't grow spiritually if I don't allow myself to be put in situations that are challenging. And I'm not going to be able to grow in the Lord if I can't be honest about the struggles that I've had, the challenges I've faced, and if I'm not willing to let the Lord search me and know me and bring me back to those places where I began to develop these unhealthy relationship patterns. My marriage is never going to be as good as it can be if I'm not willing to stop punishing my husband for my past and to place my fear of rejection on him when he has never rejected me. 
And so I just wanted to share this as an encouragement to you that yes, it's important to be real and vulnerable and authentic, but make sure that you're doing it from a place of purity, not to keep people away, but to allow the Holy Spirit in. Yes, it's important to guard your heart, but God designed us for relationship. And so one of the things I have been praying about and I'm going to be very intentional about is beginning to reach out again to people. I did this when we first came, but I it's gone now, but I'm going to bring it back where I asked the Lord who I should invite. And I'm going to begin inviting people over for with no agenda, just to get to know them and to hear their heart and to just kind of see who they are as people and as individuals. I love that we're doing that with my sister-in-laws. Yes, I've known them for like 20 years. Like I've been married for almost 20 years, but just now beginning to catch a glimpse of their hopes and their dreams and the, the realities of their lives now and where they're hoping to be in five years. And that it's such a beautiful beginning of relationship that I mourn that we didn't do this way, way earlier. Um, again, I think I could have had deeper and more meaningful relationship with them had I not been so terrified of being myself and being rejected. And the truth is, rejection may come, abandonment may come. I just am getting tired. I'm just done with living in fear of it. So that's just my encouragement to you today that in your relationships to really ask the Lord to dwell in them. And then I want to conclude by saying this. There is one constant. God has allowed one person to be consistent and constant in my life for 26 years now, I think. She is the one that I can be 100% myself. She's the one when I'm doubting if I heard God, I will say to her, I don't know if this is him or if it's me. And she will speak life and truth, even if it hurts over my life. She always brings it back to God's word and the truth of who God is. And she does not think less of me when I doubt or I'm struggling. She doesn't... Um, judge me for a lack of faith or a lack of consistency or for being so confident in one area. She is just there and she just loves me unconditionally. And I love her unconditionally. There's nothing that she can tell me that will make me shocked. There's nothing that she would tell me that would cause me to think less of her. And I am so, so grateful that in even the, the, the um, dysfunctional way that I have managed that relationship over the years at times, God has been faithful in that and she has been gracious and has allowed me to hurt her and to make mistakes and to not break that, that relationship. And I'm just very grateful for that. And so if you don't have anybody in your life and maybe relationships are a struggle for you too. I just want to encourage you that if you pray and ask the Lord to provide you with a friend, God will do it. 
and I just am so grateful for her and the impact that she's had on my life and the life of my family, my marriage, my children, my grandchildren, for sure. And I just want to pray with you as we close for your relationships. Holy Spirit, we are so grateful for your presence and your power. We are thankful, God, that you created us for relationship with you and with each other. And so, Father, as we come before you today, maybe some of us are just nailing relationships and we're just got it down and you're on the throne and you're in it and it's awesome. Thank you for the gift of friendship and blessing. God, we are so grateful for that. But maybe, God, there are some like me who relationships and friendships don't come easily and it's a struggle. God, I pray that you will begin to reveal the areas where we've developed unhealthy patterns of thinking and unhealthy relationship patterns where we've used fear and even maybe oversharing or authenticity and vulnerability to keep people at arm's length. God, I pray for authenticity, transparency, and vulnerability in our lives, but only after it's been filtered through you. That God, when we shine, it's your testimony, it's your glory that shines through us, not anything that we've manufactured or made in our own strength. God, I pray for those who are yearning for a friend, Lord, who are in a lonely season. They feel maybe that there's no one out there for them to do life with or to process life with, God. I pray that you will bring the perfect person. But first, God, I pray that that will be perfected through their relationship with you. God, you are our friend. You are closer than a brother. It says in your word that we are never alone. And so, Father, I pray for my sister, my brother, whoever it is, Lord, who is lonely tonight. I pray, God, that your presence will flood wherever they are right now, that, God, they will feel and experience what it's like to be in a perfect relationship with you. And, God, I pray that you will prepare the right person to hear their heart, to help them process pain and to celebrate well all the joys and the blessing that you're going to bring, God. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your friendship. And God, I thank you so much that even when we make messes out of relationship, you are so faithful, so faithful to redeem and restore. We love you, Jesus. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this episode on relationships. As always, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook. You can send me an email at mrspastorz at gmail.com. And I would love to hear what topics you'd like to talk about next. Have a great rest of your, your evening.